Pastor Xavier Reese and God's Choice of Mass Communication. With all the marvelous technology and advancements we've had, even today, I mean, these iPods, these phones, everything, that, you know, these uh, new iPads, it's incredible. But yet God has chosen the preaching of a man to get the gospel out. Amazing. To make fully known Jesus Christ whenever the gospel is preached. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Independence and self-sufficiency are good qualities to have in life, but these are not valid when it comes to getting into heaven. Well, what does it take to enter into God's kingdom once we pass from this life here on earth? To get an answer to this important question, let's join Pastor Xavier for today's lesson from the book of Romans titled, Jesus, God's Righteous Provision. Two men had become trapped in a cave, and these men, because of their lifelong experience in caves, they were so self-confident they can get their way themselves out of there and deliver themselves. But the longer they tried, the more they realized that they would have to be saved by someone else. And then finally they saw a little ray of light coming through an opening, and they could hear the picks and the men shouting out, And when they were delivered, they could take no credit for their deliverance and for being saved. It was all the doing of someone else. This is the picture of man who must look to Jesus Christ for his justification, for salvation. Even as Paul the Apostle has revealed the depravity of man for three chapters, the whole world guilty before God, both Jew and Gentile, doomed under the wrath of God. This is the basic and fundamental understanding that every person must come to in agreement with God if they are going to see their need of salvation through the righteousness that God alone provides for sinful man. He has told us that there's not one righteous, not even one. He has told us that no one seeks or understands God and no one does good, not even one person. That's very hard for the good, moral, ethical person to accept, the educated person, the philanthropist. But he's talking in direction to the will of God and to walk as God has wanted us to. We all deviate. And therefore, Paul the Apostle now proclaims the righteousness of God for the justification of sinners by faith in Jesus Christ. And he reveals it by three things. Let me read our text here. Beginning verse 21 of chapter 3. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. To demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where's the boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? No. But by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by the faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jew only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, 
since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish it. Paul now proclaims the righteousness of God for the justification of sinners by faith in Jesus Christ revealed by the following. First, verse 21 through 23, the incredible provision of the righteousness of God. The incredible provision. Secondly, verse 24 through 26, the irrefutable process for the righteousness of God. And thirdly, 27 through 31, the irrevocable proclamation of the righteousness of God. Paul just, he has showed the depravity of man. He's under the wrath of God, and he just nails the only door that will lead him into the light. He just nails it. Let's begin here. The incredible provision of the righteousness of God, 21 through 23. Notice verse 21. The apostle Paul declares that there was an accepted righteousness at the present time now. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the laws revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Notice the righteousness made available is the doing of God the Father. There's two persons being spoken about here, the Father and the Son. Make the distinction. It is in view of the hopeless condition of the entire world, guilty before God, notice that, that the glimmer of hope now is given. After this long darkness of almost completely three chapters, here's a ray of light. The word but is the contrasting conjunction, marking the turning point of man's possible transition from the darkness into the light. The word now indicates the present time, the available and accepted righteousness in contrast to the past. And notice this accepted righteousness by God is apart from the law. Underline that, apart from the law. The law could not justify man who's a sinner before God. It merely pointed out that man is a sin, uh, is a lawbreaker. We have traffic laws because we're lawbreakers. We have signs that says no trespass because we know we will. If we weren't lawbreakers, we would need no laws. Simple. If man could fly, they wouldn't wear parachutes. Simple. Notice the word reveal. It means to appear to show, and the tense is the perfect passive. It has been revealed, indicating the historical death of Jesus on the cross and resurrection with the abiding consequences. This verse is anticipating the next verse, where his name will be given. Now notice the hope for man was not something new, but rather the righteousness of God witnessed by the law and the prophets in view of salvation history. That began in Genesis 3.15, right after the fall, the promise of the virgin birth of the Messiah. The word witness, as you know, means to attest or verify something true. Paul uses it um, for, the witness, for his witness of the Jews, their zealousness uh, after knowledge, but not according to God's righteousness. It wasn't according to the knowledge of God or righteousness of God, but to their own thing in Romans 10 too. Now, the law consisted of the first five books, as you know, Genesis to Deuteronomy. Now, he says it's, it's witnessed here by the law and the prophets. So, in Genesis 3.15, the promise of the victory of the coming Messiah was given to Adam and Eve, that he would crush the head of the serpent, and Jesus did so at the cross, destroying him who had the power of death. So, Genesis 3.15, the first book, and confirm in Hebrews 2.14. The precise time when Shiloh, the Messiah 
would come was confirmed by Paul in the fullness of time. Shadow the Messiah, Genesis 49.10. Galatians 4.4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son made of a woman under the law. Right on time. Now we look at the world today and we see all that's going on. We get a little freaked out. Listen, we're right on schedule. God's not biting his nails. We're right on schedule. He's always on time. The entire tabernacle, the articles, the sacrifices, you know, spoke of Jesus Christ, shadows and types of him to come. Exodus 25 through 30, you have the tabernacle articles and the tabernacle. Leviticus 1 through 7, you have the different sacrifices and their loss. And then Hebrews is the commentary on the book of Leviticus, the Old Testament. It's the Leviticus of the New Testament. In particular, Hebrews 9 and 10 gives you the fulfillment of Jesus and shadows to come. Very clear. Now, the Messiah was also to be the prophet that Moses prophesied in Deuteronomy 18, 18, which is the fifth book. And when they came to John the Baptist, he was baptized, and they said, are you the Messiah? Are you that prophet? He says, no, I'm one crying in the wilderness, quoting Isaiah, the voice in the wilderness. He says, there's one among you whose shoelaces I'm not worthy to loosen. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I just baptize you in water. The prophet, Jesus Christ. The prophets then consisted of major and minor prophets. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Behold, a virgin shall bear a son. She'll call his name Emmanuel. Matthew 1, 23 fulfills it. His name would be Emmanuel, God with us. So it's witnessed by the law, not the prophets. The Messiah would announce the ministry of the Spirit anointing him to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. Sent to heal the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives free. Opening the prison doors, those that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. As Jesus did in the synagogue of Nazareth. Chapter 4, verse 16 through 19. Fulfilling Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. The law and the prophets. The Messiah would ride into Jerusalem on the coal and the foal of a donkey. As a triumphant Christ. To identify the Messiah. Zechariah 9, 9. Matthew 21, fulfilling it in the other Gospels. The witness, the law, and the prophets. And how does Paul open up this great epistle? The heart of the epistle. Chapter 1, verse 16 through 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first and to the Greek. For therein is the power of God revealed from faith to faith. He quotes Habakkuk, the prophet. The just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2, 4. The prophets witnesses of the future gospel to come. Amazing. Now notice verse 22 and 23. The apostle Paul declared the accepted righteousness provided by God the Father. The person to be the channel of righteousness for God is Jesus Christ. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. The means is through faith. Faith simply means to have conviction of the truth of anything appearing 39 times in the book of Romans. Biblical faith always points you to the source, which is the revelation of God. You believe it, you act upon it. What you believe to be true, that God has revealed. That's faith. Through faith means having the full and complete conviction of this righteousness that has been provided to justify sinners before God by trusting the person of Christ and acting upon his words. It's simple. It has nothing to do with your works or mine. It has everything to do with believing what God said he did for me. Now notice the object of the faith is in Christ Jesus. That little preposition, in Christ 
or, or Jesus Christ. Sometimes in different translations will put it different ways. It's indicative of his person, the God-man. He's not only God, but he's man. He's not 50% man, 50% God, 100% man, 100% God. The last Adam. The name Jesus that you know is the Greek name of the Hebrew name Joshua. Joshua is a contraction of Jehovah Shua, which means Jehovah's salvation. So his name means Jehovah or Yahweh, whichever way you want to pronounce it, is salvation. The title Christ means anointed or Messiah, the God-man. And so the phrase Jesus Christ has been mentioned six times. This is the seventh, but this is the first time the name Jesus is mentioned directly with the justification of sinners now. The transition from darkness into light. Now look at the end of verse 22. This is imputed righteousness. It is without respect of persons. Imputed means it's imparted to you with you having nothing to do with it. I go into your bank account and I put a million dollars. You don't deserve it. You didn't work for it. I put it in there. And I say, listen, there's a million dollars in your bank account. Now, if you believe it, go check it out. You can enjoy it. If you don't believe it, you never check it out. It just sits there. Imputed. It's just given to you. It's just given to me. Who did he die for? The ungodly. I presume you qualify. To all and on all who believe. The available righteousness is all inclusive. Notice, all sinners under the wrath of God. To all and all. No one's excluded. There's no selected group, no chosen frozen that's limited to it. No one is beyond the righteousness of God that's provided for lost man. Now, notice the only condition is stipulated. You ready for it? Who believe? Who believe? Found 22 times in the letter. Believe, faith, they all have the same root. Now notice the person must believe that the righteousness of God, the Father, has provided for the justification of sinners is in Jesus Christ through the preaching of the gospel. He opened up in Romans 1.17, as I've already quoted, and the word there revealed is apocalypto, which means to unveil, to make fully known in the indicative present tense, whenever the gospel is preached. With all the marvelous technology and advancements that we've had, even today, I mean, these iPods, these phones, everything, that, you know, these uh, new iPads, it's incredible. But yet God has chosen the preaching of a man to get the gospel out. Amazing. And when the gospel goes out, God gives every opportunity to every person who hears whether they're going to believe it or reject it, it will be a personal choice. Wow. Notice, the reason for the exclusive condition is that all the world is guilty before God. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This would be a better verse. They shouldn't have divided it the way they did because they're tied together. There's no difference, meaning distinction between all sinners. They're all under the wrath of God. Regardless of nationality or race, regardless of culture or religion, regardless of economic or morality. There's black sinners, there's brown sinners, there's red sinners. Doesn't matter. Rich sinners, poor sinners. They're all the same. Pick your flavor. <laughs> they all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the common denominator of all sinners. Notice there the phrase, all have sinned. It means to miss the mark. Past tense. All are falling short. Present tense of the glory of God, which means that to be left behind in the race and not to reach the goal 
The double description emphasizes man's sinful condition by the fall of Adam and the marred original potential to the glory of God. The glorious docks of splendor, brightness, purity, and to perfection. Prior to Adam's fall, Adam and Eve had the potential to please God all the time. Once the fall came in, now it's marred. We still bear the image and the likeness of God, but it's marred. Darkness pulls us. We have sin nature. And this is what Paul is getting to. The solution to all this is Jesus Christ. It would be like someone revealing um, tomorrow morning on the news, there's a cure for cancer, every cancer. How incredible would that be? But even that's not a good enough analogy because you probably die of something else. But the justification here, the provisions that he gives, when you accept Christ, you will never die again. Jesus told the woman in the well, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But if whoever drinks the water that I give to him shall never thirst again. She said, Lord, give me this water. <laughs> what a contrast. Now the law served its purpose according to God. The law was a schoolmaster or a tutor to lead us to Christ, Galatians 3.24 says. Literally a pedagogue, one who takes a child from home to school, school home so he doesn't get in trouble. Christ is the end of the law because he fulfilled it, Romans 10.4. Hebrews gives us the fulfillment of Jesus, as you know, of all the types of the Levitical system. And notice how it opens up the book of Hebrews. God, who at different times and in diverse manners spoken times past to the fathers through the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by and through his dear Son, of whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2. The transition is made from law to grace, from animal system of blood to the blood of Jesus Christ, as we'll see. In Ephesians 2, 13, he says... But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. The vilest of sinners can be saved if they believe in the provisions of the righteousness that is offered to the sinners by the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. The invitation is to all, John 3.16, whosoever. The means is the same to all, by faith, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And in Christ are removed all distinctions, nationality, culture, everything. Listen to Colossians 3, 11, Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. Ephesians says, nor male or female. In other words, before God, he sees us just as pure sinners. And by the way, let me show you who can be saved. The Scythian. The Scythian was a northern barbarian who would take his enemy, kill him, decapitate him, boil his head, and use his skull as a drinking goblet. That's who can be saved if they repent. I presume you haven't gotten that far. The amazing grace of God, ladies and gentlemen. He has delivered you from the bondage of sin. Incredible. This is the incredible provision of the righteousness of God for a sinful man. Secondly, he gives us the irrefutable process for the righteousness of God, verse 24 through 26. In verse 24, the Apostle Paul declares what it meant 
to believe and accept the righteousness of God by the Father's provisions. Listen to his words. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Paul says it means to be justified before God. The word justified means to be acquitted or be freed from the past charges and penalty of sin in one's life. Being a legal court term here. We're here before the divine court again as we were in Isaiah. You're acquitted. This is the first time God's righteousness is identified with the justification here in the epistle. The word appears six times in chapter, in this chapter, and eight more times in the rest of the book. The word comes from the same root word as to show or to be right. Just, justification, righteous, righteousness. They all have the same root. All those words are tied together. Notice God does not make me righteous. This is important. But rather accounts me righteous as if I never had sinned. After he declares me justified through his righteousness, I still sin. So he doesn't make me righteous. He accounts me righteous for believing what he said. You understand? Paul puts it this way in the next chapter, verse 24 and 25. It shall be imputed, and that's what it is, imputed righteousness. Like that million dollars I just put in your account a little while ago. Okay? Imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus the Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. He did it completely. Now notice Paul stated the means by which one is justified. Freely by his grace. The word freely, Dorian, means as a gift. At no cost to man, nor man is he providing any form of work. Jesus used it when he said, freely you have received, freely give, in Matthew 10.8. Paul uses it for preaching the gospel without charge, freely, 2 Corinthians 11.7. And John uses it for taking the waters of life freely in the book of Revelation 21.6 and 22.17. Freely. And the word grace accompanies it. It means unmerited favor. Undeserved. It appears in Romans more than any other book of the New Testament, 24 times. The twofold description freely and by grace emphasizes that man incurs no cost of his own nor provides any work for his justification. It is through faith in Jesus. Nothing else. And notice Paul stated the manner by which one is justified or set free from having to not be liable for the payment of one's sin. Here are the words. Through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. The person responsible for the redemption and this transaction of redemption is Christ Jesus, the Messiah. Through the incarnation, he became man by being conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. The procedure in picture is of freeing one from slavery right here by the word. The word through means an account or through the agency of And redemption is a commercial term from the marketplace, meaning the payment for the release of a prisoner or slave. The word that's associated with it is the word agorazo, which means the marketplace, to buy out of it, 1 Corinthians 6.20 and 7.23. And another word is ex agorazo, to buy out of the slave market. This is what Jesus did for you and I bought us out of the slave market of sin 
paid the ransom to deliver us so now we can be free to live in a way that we could have never lived before as we allow him to live through us. Pastor Xavier Reese with good news regarding the gospel. If you'd like a copy of today's study on CD, ask for Jesus, God's Righteous Provision. It's available for only $4. This CD includes the complete message as it was originally delivered, but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is Jesus, God's Righteous Provision, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 